quick thank you to our sponsors for making this podcast possible. They keep this show free to listen to. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her questions via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you wish to ask. And then she can either type her responses or use their voice-to-text feature. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something your future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I used mylifeinabook.com to compile my own stories to give to my daughters for Mother's Day. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code PEACE at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com. Use code PEACE for 10% off today. I came to parenting with everything I learned in childhood. Yelling, punishing, controlling, and shaming. After trying almost every method, I found connected parenting and was totally shocked when empathy, listening, doing away with rewards and consequences, and being a safe place actually worked. It moved the behaviors of my children and it felt good, especially with my very strong-willed and highly sensitive oldest daughter. This podcast was born out of the idea of sharing the message and helping parents find more peace in a modern world. Welcome to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. So glad you're here. Welcome back to the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm Michelle and I'm back. I want to talk about play because play is something I haven't really talked about lately on the podcast. And it is actually one of my favorite ideas around connected parenting. And the reason that it is one of my favorite ideas is because it makes such a big difference and it can change the entire ethos, the entire you know thought process, the entire mood of your family in moments. Now, a little caveat here. Play is not useful when your child is in the throes of big feelings. I've had many people come to me and say, I tried to play, but didn't work. And I think what happens sometimes is that parents try to use play to get a tantrum to stop. And that's a lovely idea, but I don't think it will work. And I actually don't think it's helpful. If a tantrum is on its way, then it needs to be processed and it needs to happen. And there's no getting around that. So what we can do instead when it comes to play is to think about ideas or or scenarios where your child is just a little bit offline or your children are just a little bit offline or the house feels kind of icky or it feels kind of tight, like nobody's doing what you ask and everyone's kind of whining and people are fighting. Can you say, hey, I've got time for a dance party. Let's do it. And you turn up the music really loud and you have a dance party. You drop everything and you just play. Now, that's one of the most beautiful uses of play, I think. It can just change the mood in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes of play, you can change literally the entire trajectory of your afternoon or your day in minutes. 
So that's one of the ways in which I like to use it. Another way in which I like to use play is when people are being kind of naughty. So if a child says something that isn't nice, or if they do something unkind to their brother or sister, I like to say, ooh, I'm coming right over there. I guess you need a hug. You might need a kiss. Oh, do you need a thumb war? Do you need a staring contest? You find out what is your child's love language. And for some kids, it's not hugs or kisses. Sometimes it's one-on-one time. Ooh, you might need five minutes of special time. Sometimes it's a staring contest. Sometimes it can be, you know, an I spy. It can be anything. For my older kids, I use this with my teenagers. And I say, ooh, looks like you might need a hug from mama. And Esme, inevitably, if she's in a bad place, she'll be like, no, I don't want a hug. And I honor that. And I say, okay, could I have a pinky hug? And she'll say, no, I don't want a pinky hug. If she's too far gone. Sometimes she'll say, fine, I'll have a pinky hug. I'll say, okay, can I just touch one little tiny piece of your hair? One little tiny strand right here. And she'll say, no, please don't touch my hair. And I'll say, okay, I won't touch your hair. Can I have a butterfly kiss? No, mom. Uh. And then when she starts to protest and I can see she's lightening up, I stick in there. I say, well, I'm just going to wait here. I'm going to wait here for some sort of love and affection. I'm just going to be right here. And pretty soon she'll come around. The great part of it is, is that whatever behavior was happening, whatever poor interaction that was happening, now it's not happening. It's actually changed. Even if it's just her protesting about not wanting to play with me or not wanting to hug me or not wanting to be with me, it has changed the conversation so that we're no longer talking about her being unkind to her sister, for instance. And we have moved in to try to get her more connected. Now, once I can get her connected and she and I are kind of doing well, she will now inevitably every single time come back and say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. I was cranky. I was this, I was that. Had I stuck in with some sort of reprimand or I would stick in with some sort of punishment or I point out what she's doing. Oh, you can't speak to your sister that way. You can't do this. You can't do that. I don't know if she would have gotten to remorse and apology. I don't know if the interaction would have ended so well. So play can be one of those places where you can salvage the interaction. It also takes shame completely out of the picture so that nobody is feeling shame. So it's really important that we use play, but we make sure that we're using it in the right moments. We don't want to use it for every single moment. We want to make sure it's a moment where we still think we can catch a kid, catch them before they get too offline and go to the whole tantrum. They're all the, all the way in the throes of big emotions, then that's probably not when we want to use play. ADHD affects so many of our families and finding the right care can be a challenge. With Done, you can get the care you need 24-7. At donefirst.com, you have an expert team who can help you get personalized treatment for you and your sweet kids. ADHD doesn't have to jeopardize the connection you share with your family. Take a free one-minute assessment and book an appointment with a licensed ADHD clinician as soon as the next day. Get continuous care, one-click refills, insurance coverage, and 24-7 care team support with Done for just $79 a month and pharmacy co-pays as low as $0. Visit get.donefirst.com forward slash podcast to learn more. Done. Turn ADHD into your strength. This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. ByHeart features a patent protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. Their formula includes the most abundant protein, Alphalac, found in breast milk, 
as well as lactoferrin, the number one protein found in colostrum. ByHeart is an easy-to-digest formula, which includes prebiotics and an 80-20 whey-to-casein ratio like an early breast milk, making it great for a newborn's digestive system. ByHeart is the only U.S.-made infant formula made with certified clean ingredients, including organic, grass-fed, whole milk, not skim. What it doesn't have is soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast. Use code PEACE for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. Play can also be useful as a group activity. Like I said, the dancing. You can initiate play all kinds of ways. You can have a pillow fight. You can have a group staring contest. You can do something called Can't Get Past Me, where I like to stand on one side of the room and I like the kids to try to get to the couch. And when they try to get to the couch, I try to grab them. And if I can't, if I'm the bumbling idiot and I can't grab them, then they feel victorious and they feel like they're the winners. And I try to take that lesser role so that they can feel powerful and strong. I use that particular game and a game almost every day before school. I would get up 20 minutes early and we would play every single morning because it just made our mornings feel better. It made our life feel lighter and it just made things a lot smoother. So if you want to think about play in a strategic way, you think about moments that are hard, maybe transition moments, maybe moments when you're going to do something that you know is difficult. So using play as a strategy is really great too, but you have to be thoughtful about it. When things get dicey, we can throw it in as just like an afterthought, or we can be more strategic about putting it before bedtime, before school, those kinds of things. Also, play and laughter help kids download feelings. So we talk a lot about, you know, expressing feelings and supporting children through big emotions and being the empathic listener and all of those things. But we can also get those same results when we use vigorous play. So like Pia had a really hard time in kindergarten. She didn't really like it. It was a really hard transition for her. So we would come home every day after school and wrestle. And that helped her nervous system settle because she could get out her frustration on me. And I let her take it out on me. I mean, she would try to take me down because I think she was frustrated. All the control and all of the rules and all of the, you know, it was a hard transition for her. And this is a good lesson in, do our kids learn about the real world? Well, heck yeah, they learn about the real world. Just send them to school for a day and they understand the real world. Is it a tough transition for them? Absolutely, but as it should be, because it's a harsh place to be. But they learn to navigate it. They learn to navigate it by having support at home. So when I support her through her emotional upset in using wrestling, it helped her offload those feelings. It helped her regulate and helped her do better at school and also better at home. Did the real world go away? No. Did the harshness go away? No. Did she learn how to cope with it? Absolutely. So a lot of times people will say, well, connective parenting, you know, um, gentle parenting, whatever, conscious parenting is not going to prepare our kids for the real world. Well, I don't know if anything can really prepare our kids for the real world. I don't necessarily believe that that's our job. Our job is to be the safe place. So when the real world is being a jerk to Pia at school, I'm there to support her when she gets home. I'm there to help her offload the feelings. I'm there to allow her to process. And I think that's a bigger support than just being harsh. Because if I'm harsh and then school's harsh, where is her soft place? Where can she 
confide in someone? Where can she download? Where can she feel safe? So that's just a side note. So anyways, P and I would wrestle every single day after school for like 15 minutes. And that kid, she felt so much better. We wrestled for years. In fact, we still do this kind of vigorous snuggle thing where I'll just come in and go and try to get into her neck. And she'll say, ah, and then I'll try to get her. And then she'll try to get me. And then we roll around on the bed a little bit. And then it becomes this like connective, playful thing that we do still to this day. And she's 14. So play is for every age. It's for sure for little kids. It's their love language. It's how they regulate. It's the way in which they speak to one another. It's the way in which they speak to us if we allow them to. So play is universal. And I have a guide that's called Changing Behaviors Through Play. I also have another podcast called Changing Behaviors Through Play. That guide, though, has 13 games in it. And we'll link it in the um, show notes here. Often it shows up in my bio in Instagram too, or you can always email us and we'll send it to you. But those 13 games really help kids offload feelings, process fears, help them feel powerful and strong, and they can make your life and your house feel lighter, right? Instead of being like, brush your teeth. I asked you three times to brush your teeth. You've got to brush your teeth. Can you say, oh, I see sugar bugs in those teeth. I'm going to get those sugar bugs out. Let me see those. Oh, you've got little crawlies in there. Let's go look at them in the mirror. Come on. Do you see my sugar bugs? Can you turn things into play? Can you make things fun? Does it have to be so tight and so hard and so strenuous? Or can we lighten things up? And is it hard for us to lighten things up? Because things weren't light for us as kids growing up and we were never taught how to play. And that's a whole another podcast in that Many of these ideas around parenting are difficult because they were never presented to us. They were certainly weren't, you know, presented to us in the right way. Lots of times parents would tickle their kids to death until they peed their pants or they would scare them or they wanted to be the stronger, more powerful playmate and they wanted to overpower the kids. Well, nobody wants to feel overpowered. So the play in which we encountered as kids probably isn't the right type of play anyway. Many of us. Maybe some of us it is, but we don't have a good you know, foundation for this. So we have to teach ourselves how to play. We have to teach ourselves how to be less powerful. We have to teach ourselves that this is a tool for parenting. This is a place where we can build connection. So that's the other big part of it is that this builds connection. Every time you come to an interaction that's difficult or your child's doing something that is difficult and you respond with play, you're building in connection with your child. This is huge. This is something conventional parenting can't do and will never do. And that connective parenting is very good about doing. So download the guide, listen to the other podcast and start infusing some play into your world today so that things can feel a little bit lighter. Right. Thanks for joining me on the Peace and Parenting Podcast. I'm so glad you're here and we'll see you next time.